0: one thing that you could have from McDonald's you know that that really i i kind of hate this question my wife could be in labor as, <laughs> as i'm speaking here <laughs> hello and welcome to an and one edition of the shooting Two podcast. Uh, this is your host Onik uh, doing it solo today without Andrew. So today I wanted to kind of just recap uh, the last week in football. Let's just make some general comments of some things that have been happening on, on my end to keep things interesting for you. Uh, for you non-sports listeners here on the shooting to podcast, uh, but as you know, my wife is due to give birth anytime, so I'm actually recording this and at 11 a.m. on a on a Tuesday afternoon, so uh, early morning afternoon, I should say. So I don't know when I'm going to be out, but you can expect another version of this from Andrew, probably coming shortly as my wife uh, eventually goes into labor. And then next time I'm around, you know, I'll, I'll be able to, with bags under my eyes, uh, give you guys a look down on how the how the experience early experiences being a father. So right off the top. Happy birthday to our co-host and funny man and knowledgeable friend of mine, when it comes to sports, Andrew Rossi. Uh, he turns somewhere in his mid-thirties uh, last week. So, happy birthday, Andrew! I hope it was a good one. Sorry we couldn't make it out, but I know I speak for me and the switchers when we say happy birthday. Uh, it's fun to be doing another year of this podcast with you. Would we get two under our belt uh, at the conclusion of this year, and can't wait to keep doing it. Um, in the meantime, like I said, I'm I'm waiting with keys in pocket, ready to go to the hospital. I mean, not literally, because not like you rush to the hospital immediately, but but you all get it, you swishers. So uh, I've I've gotten a couple of questions as we get close to the actual date of the baby's arrival. I don't want to say due date because that is come and gone. Uh, but people always check in with you, I guess, more my, more my wife than I, uh, saying you know, hey, any update? Any update? And the answer is no updates. We'll we'll let you we'll let those that need to know know uh, when it happens. But I'm getting a question of like, what are you scared about? And and it's quite simply, at this point, uh, I'm scared of changing a shitload of diapers and lack of sleep. Aside from that, you know, I I know I'm not going to be a, a pro dad here. A few days into it, um, I want to start today's episode by actually talking about this gentleman on Instagram who, on in our last clip. Ah uh, came in hard, saying, "Hey, we stole a take from from Pat McAfee. I think it was in relation to Russ and Nathaniel Hackett." Now we actually recorded that. You know, looking at the receipts, we recorded that the day after week two. Uh, Pat McAfee didn't discuss this way later, but th- that's not the point. The point here is that we we didn't steal a take. Uh, we're trying to like, prove that we didn't. But I just wanted to just say, like right off the bat, we barely prepare for this podcast. So we certainly don't have time to steal takes uh, from people in like a calculated manner. Like it's just as simple as that. Uh, you know, sports takes today day are the same as news cycles. It's just they're gonna come. You gotta come fast with them. And there's only so many takes you can have, or opinions you can have on what we see in the media and what we see in the games. Um, so it's not like we're prefacing every single take or we're going to preface every take with, by the way, we're not sure if this is original or not. So, again, we're not going to do that. It's just a shitty experience for all for you and the listeners. But we are doing this genuinely uh, based on our own opinions. We don't have time to look at other people's takes and bring them over to our podcast. Again, this is our kind of respite from from our, our 9 to 5 grinds. Um, so, again, we're, we're doing everything genuinely here on the Shooting 2 podcast. Because we don't have Andrew today, uh, I want to just... Pre-select my own tip-off. So I just got out of a a massage, kind of one of these. Hey, last massage before you don't sleep for X amount of weeks with the newborn. Uh, But I just got out of a massage, and I I wanted to just talk about massages for a second. So the first thing that I wanted to bring up is that as a man, you know, I take I don't take amazing care of my feet. I take on a scale of one to ten, with ten being really good for you know someone who doesn't really go go get pedicures. I would say I'm like a five. I'd say I have five on that scale. And when you're getting a massage, they, you, you really lay your feet out there to bear. Like they are exposed, you know? And I always wonder what is going through the head of my masseuse. Like, do they are they wincing? Are they turning their nose up? Are they texting their friend? Like, what? what? Like this guy that I'm massaging his feet are ridiculous. So that's that's the first thing I wanted to call out. And it just reminds me of a story of, you know, one time one when my, when of my wife was not my wife. Uh, more of a friend, and we went with our good friend of the podcast, Mark Ramirez, and his brother to Thailand. We went to some place where we're all in the same room getting massages, and you know, I'll never forget just the the Thai women giggling and Thai about like my feet, and it's like that. It's like they, we don't know what's, you don't know what's going on, but you're very self conscious about it. Um, second second observation from the massages for all masseuses out there: if you are massaging a gentleman like myself with, I wouldn't say a lot of body hair. But just a normal amount is how I'd classify my amount of body hair. Normal amount, please overdo it on the massage oil. Like, please don't be economical with your use of massage oil. Like, it when it gets a little dry on the legs, especially, ooh, the hair start pulling, and it's just not a good experience. And that will definitely, in my book, factor in factor into your tip at the end of the massage. Uh, I also had a massage today. I came home and immediately told my wife because she is very. Uh, pointed when it comes to speaking to masseuses about what they should be doing, what they're doing that she likes, which what they're doing that she doesn't like, if they need more pressure. I am not about that. I am a, I'm one of those consumers that just lets things slide, and and I don't feel very, I don't act upon any entitlement that I feel for paying for a service. But this masseuse was very good, but she was she was right at that in that gray area of do you say anything or not. She was great at warming up the muscles. You know how they warm the muscles, they kind of stretch you out, wiggle your your hips and your shoulders um, to and fro. And then with their elbow, they will find that, you know, long muscle in your back and just bring it up and kind of get into those knots. So she was doing everything the, the all the first stuff that I mentioned, but when it came time to like smoothing out the knot, she would just slightly miss. And I don't I didn't feel like it was enough. To verbally address it uh but so i just let it slide i let it slide i should have said something i'm wondering if you switchers out there if you have to deal with this another thing that i do uh maybe i do this myself and no one else does but when she's when he or she or whoever or they are really close to you know giving hitting that right spot or doing a good job i will definitely fake inhale exhale as if like oh hey like you're, you're on the right path like oh yeah give them a chance to be like, oh, maybe I'm on the right path here. So I kind of try to guide them in a subconscious way into the proper massage technique and into the massage that I want. And um, I'll be the first to tell you that this strategy does not work very well. So uh, let me know what your massage strategies are. How open are you with your communication uh, with your masseuse? I I have to know. Um, and, And lastly, what do you do when they ask you something? You give them guidance but they don't act upon it. So for example, this morning, you know, my masseuse said, is that pressure okay? And I said, no, you can go a little harder. But for the remaining 32 minutes or so of the massage, pressure was exactly the same. So do you speak up? What do you do out there, switchers? Let me know on the IG. I'll put this out there. But I have to know, especially if you want to just text me or send me a tweet or whatever in person, I want to know how you are during massages. And with that, I'll come back after the break to talk a little bit football. And we're back to talk about the weekend that was in football, uh, five weeks gone in, in, in college football. We'll talk a little bit of college football, but as you know, on this podcast, we're going to talk the big matchups. The middle of the season is a bit of a bore. We'll talk to you when it starts coming conference championship time, when things start crystallizing on things in matchups and games that really matter with the teams that really matter at that time. So uh, real quick on college, your Georgia UGA looks mortal. They're a little bit of one dimensional in their offense. They go on the road. They struggle against Missouri. I think they're down 10 going into the fourth. They pull it off as they should against a bad Missouri team. Uh, so they are no longer number one. Alabama takes that slot. Uh, Oklahoma state with an impressive win on the road versus Baylor. Uh, also happy birthday to our buddy of the podcast, Clay Ron, uh, his, his, pokes is Oklahoma state Cowboys really play well on the road in their first, as they say, real test of the season in the big 12, but they're moving up the rankings. They're looking great. Uh, I know clay and I have, have a, of a unspoken agreement or a texted agreement that if it's USC, Oklahoma state, if big, if there, uh, you know, we will go there. That, that would be a fun thing to do. Pac-12 is actually looking pretty solid. As we talked about last week, you know, five teams, in the top 25, Washington at 21 UCLA lurking at 18. And keep keep an eye on UCLA. I've said it every time we talked about college football. They are the most underrated team in the country. They started the year first couple of weeks, not even ranked. I mean, first three weeks, not even ranked. And I've said since the season started, I think they beat USC this year. So they're looking at 18. Oregon, after getting blown out by Georgia in week one, they've made it happen, uh, hung on in in a couple of games. But look, they're still undefeated since that time. They're twelve. Utah, another USC loss this year that I'm projecting at 11, and USC Trojans for now, my USC Trojans sitting at 6. So I want to talk USC just for a moment here. Caleb Williams, watching him versus Oregon State, watching him versus Arizona State, the guy's running for his life. Now, to his credit, he, he's the closest thing, a Russell Wilson type, in terms of the, how many times he has to move out of the pocket. Per drive, this is the closest thing that I can close comparison I can make is Caleb Williams is Russell Wilson circa the last four years in Seattle. The ball is snapped and he's already rolling out. He's already having to step up in the pocket and and dodge an arm tackle. It's it's completely expected, I would say, from a first year coach that can really only focus on one thing. Right, Lincoln Riley can't come in to the USC program and be immediately impactful in all three phases. Oh, special teams were good. Secondary were good or all, you know, all these other aspects and angles that you can have when you coach in a brand new football team, especially with so many players, you really have to have a few, a few years to establish that culture, get assistant coaches in there, really give each unit an identity to play off of. But USC doesn't have that. It's just the offense and Caleb Williams and everyone else is kind of just playing catch up. So, I don't know if the O-line will be better over the course of the year or if this is just what we need to expect and just, you know, leverage Caleb Williams, Houdini type skills to to keep winning games and extending plays. Uh, The the headline with USC for now is, is this. We struggle until it's late in the game. And when we realize we're just better talent wise than the other team, you know, pound for pound, person for person, other is this goes for most collegiate sports, but the way, but especially college football, not just USC, I would say Alabama, Georgia, they all have these games. Um, We just talked about Georgia where you fall behind and you're like, Oh wait, uh, what's happening? It punched in the mouth. And then you just figure it out down the stretch. USC. We're still figuring out down the stretch of games. We'll extend like an already slim lead, or a a slight, uh, we're trailing slightly. But the big thing is when you're, when your line play is this subpar, there's no way you can cut it with the sec, the top sec teams like sec teams like Georgia, like Alabama, uh, even like the likes of Notre Dame or Clemson. Uh, we're barely going to hold on versus Oregon State. Like no disrespect to Oregon State and no disrespect to the Pac-12, but you know this is why I think we can beat every team except UCLA and Utah is because their line play is just so solid. It's so consistent, and they have upperclassmen in those roles. I think USC is really going to struggle with with the uh, with UCLA. Um, it, it's just not a good matchup. Utah, is, as well as just going to run the ball down our throat, and we're really going to struggle. And so that's those are my thoughts on college football for now. When I come back, we'll talk a little bit NFL. All right, we are back, and we are talking NFL. There's three major storylines I want to hit on. We'll talk a little more in depth uh, around the whole league, but there's three stories I want to touch upon here for a week. This next week in that NFL. So the big the big story in terms of quarterback matchups this week was Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes and his Chiefs. You know, although the score is ten points, watching the game, you really feel like the Chiefs dominated that game uh, in a showing of offensive strength. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did it all. He was fired up for this game. So they win by ten felt like more the two major takeaways for the quarterbacks is Brady's still got it. He he's throwing you know the ball 40 to 50 times a game with accuracy. Now, this morning as I wake up, you know, there are rumors that him and Giselle are divorcing, supposedly based on, you know, his want to 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 continue playing in the NFL. I won't talk about personal stuff on this podcast, but The headline is he could easily be a Super Bowl winning quarterback if the Bucs can string together some stops on defense, which they failed to do versus Mahomes and the Chiefs. It seemed like Mahomes just didn't forget that Super Bowl and treated this past week like like that revenge game. Um, Great matchup. Would I be surprised to see this in a Super Bowl? No, I would be surprised to see Brady get that far uh, with the amount of attrition the Bucs are feeling. So if it did happen, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think it will happen. Um, the second big story uh, game, I should say, in the NFL, Eagles and Jags. I- I've been on the Philadelphia bandwagon, as you know. I think they're just a great team. I heard a fantasy quarterback. I. Uh, the, the main observations from this game, and we said this on the podcast, we didn't know if Trevor Lawrence was going to be a playoff QB. He looked great through three games. And while well, he just didn't play like a playoff quarterback in the rain on Sunday he had five turnovers, I think three picks and two fumbles, something of that nature, some combination that just looked bad. And yeah, the weather was bad, but I still really like Jacksonville's front four, even though they lost in, uh, and. and kind of dominant fashion from the Eagles, but their weapons, James Robinson, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, uh, even Marvin Jones, somehow still in the league, still, still racking up fantasy points on people's benches. I, I think they're just a young, exciting team. And I think they have talent and I don't want, anyone to under undervalue them i think in terms of gambling especially you know they almost they still were on the track to cover but they've just been good value and vegas knows value and it's based on overall team talent um so keep an eye out for the jags they're still you know on track i still think they could even win the afc south after you know i said the titans and andrew said the colts both picks of which are not looking so hot but um i think more than anything this game says something about the eagles I think it's a statement win for them. Their ability to, as they say with all Super Bowl teams, they beat you in a variety of ways. They can run the ball. Miles Sanders, you know, we, we said he's our he's our fantasy stay away guy. Uh, he's always injured, but he's playing amazing. You can finally see what he can do when he can play multiple games in a row and build a little rhythm and rapport with his O-line. Um, they get some stuff going, especially when the threat of Jalen Hurts running the ball is ever-present. Uh, and A.J. Brown people had huge question marks. It's like, does Jalen Hurts throw a pretty deep ball or does he always throw to the outside uh, You know, when he has a stud out there? Because he hasn't really had that guy that can go up and get it. And the jury's still out in theory, but AJ Brown's putting up monster numbers as is Jalen Hurts. So I think the big story here is the Eagles are for real as well as the Jags. And lastly, I saved the story for lashes because it's one of those stories that just grinds my gears if you're a if you're a Family Guy fan, you'd get that. But Baker Mayfield, <laughs> he's, he's, his name is back in my mouth. Uh, unfortunately, I hate the taste. But Carolina loses again. <laughs> the Carolina Panthers lose again. This time to the Arizona Cardinals, 26-16. to Again, the score, I think it was 26-9. It's just, the Panthers, we knew they'd be bad. Right. We knew they'd be bad and that's okay. Baker goes 22 for 36, 61% completion, just under 200 passing yards, uh, a, a tutty and, and two picks. His rating is 62. Right. And the, the takeaway from this game from the media side is that the fans are booing. And you know what? Like, usually I'm on like the team side because of morale and things of that nature, but with professional sports, it's different than collegiate sports. And collegiate sports, you should be allowed to do, especially your own team, because your tuition money went to fund that team. <laughs> but professional sports, it's it's your job to entertain me when I pay thousands of dollars, especially for some of these NFL tickets nowadays, to go watch you perform. If you not only can't perform into like a mediocre state, but you're just so bad that you can't get a first down, you get nine balls batted down in an NFL game, You deserve to be booed. And with that feedback from the crowd, Baker Mayfield comes to the presser and says something to the equivalent of, We don't really care. You know, we, when we lose, we'll zest us in the locker room. And when we win the next one, it'll still only be us guys in the locker room. First of all, don't be petty. You're supposed to be like the face of the franchise when you're the starting quarterback of an NFL team. And then the pettiness to even say, Well, we scored on the, we scored on the next drive. Like, yeah, but you still lost by double digits. No one cares if you scored on the next drive. Now, remember when everyone said Baker Mayfield's number one pick, he's too small. You know, he, he's six one on a good day and he's 209 pounds. I just never thought he was gonna pan out. And unfortunately, the reason I bring up the small stature point is of course to Otagabeloa gets concussed again. I'm saying again because I firmly believe he got concussed that first time around. Um, but in the meantime. You know, small quarterbacks are they're they're not going to be able to take hits as well as as larger quarterbacks. are. that's simp- that's just facts. You know, even Peyton Manning, the big guy, he was how many neck surgeries did he did he have? Um, but he still was able to play, right? Like concussions are something that they reduce significantly reduced and hinder your ability to, to start at quarterback week after week. And teams need consistency in that uh, quarterback position, right? What do I always say? The best avail- ability you can have is availability. Um, and while all this is happening, Baker Mayfield has, you know, made $32 million after this year in NFL salary. He's had commercials and progressive, you know, rumored to be worth about a million a year. And for what it's worth, I'm so glad that Progressive went instead the direction of don't the Don't Become Your Parents commercials, because those are probably my favorite commercials on television right now. Forget about insurance, like just the best commercials. So thank God they no longer do Baker Mayfield commercials and instead do the Don't Become Your Parents series. So what does all this mean? I just, I'm, I'm over Baker Mayfield. Like, please exit quietly, stage left. You know, you're, in your career, you've had some pretty bad QBRs this year. <laughs> With Carolina, it's 15. Your QBR is 15, Baker. Um, you're just not very good, slightly over 50% completion rate, four touchdowns, three interceptions. I I just I want to start the Carolina Panthers should start anyone but Baker Mayfield Club. I don't care if that's Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, Matt Corral from Ole Miss. I just don't care. I just want to head, I'm heading up the start anyone but Baker fan club. And that's it for this episode of the Shooting Two Podcast and One Edition. Make sure you tweet us, you subscribe, you like, you tell your friends, and we'll see you guys next week.